0: Hey, this is Pastor Dan jumping in real quick. Just wanted to let you know that the voice that you will be hearing after mine is not mine. I did not preach on December 12th, uh, but a familiar voice to Edgeboro, if you've been around for a little while, uh, did preach on Sunday. Uh, this is former student pastor Greg Behrend. Uh Yes, he was student pastor of Edgeboro a couple years ago before I became pastor here. He is also my brother-in-law. He's also a Moravian pastor that has... Recently co-founded, along with his wife Amy, a new Moravian ministry in Green Bay, Wisconsin called You Belong, an inclusive community. So he was here in the area and uh, was able to tell us a little bit about the ministry that he has been doing, Uh, but now you'll hear him preach. He'll be preaching on John chapter 4. He'll be reading that while preaching at the same time. I'm grateful for the gift of preaching that Greg offered Edgeboro this past Sunday.
1: For our message this morning, I'm going to be sharing a bit from the Gospel of John. If you'd like to follow along, we're in chapter 4, and we're going to be reading through from verses 3 through 42 this morning. And I am going to be asking for some congregational participation, so you're going to have to pay attention. Uh, the way this will work is I'm going to kind of read through a little bit, and we'll have some reflection as we're going through the passage. But I'm going to ask... What did you hear? So uh, if you want to follow along, in the Pew Bible, it's page 94 in the uh, New Testament, John chapter 4. Uh, Or if you want to just listen, that's good too. So I'm going to start for us on, on verse 3. Jesus left Judea and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that it is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. All right, I'm going to pause there. What did we hear so far? Shout it out for me. What'd you hear? Inclusion. Okay, inclusion. That's great. All right, what else? Where are they? The well. Which, which country is that? Which region? Samaria, right? So Jesus is a foreigner walking through Samaria here. We need to recognize that. Who are the people so far? Jesus. The woman, the woman right? Okay, so we have in Jesus' day a social difference between this man and this woman. We have a political difference between this Jew and the Samaritan, right? There's a lot of reason here for they're not To be an opportunity for conversation and community even says in the passage, Jews and Samaritans don't share things, right? It's pretty unusual that Jesus is is talking to her, let alone asking for her to help him to get a drink, right? All right, let's keep reading here. Uh, Verse 11, the woman says back to Jesus, Sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? And with his sons and his flocks who drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of the water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming back here to draw water. All right, we're going to pause there again. What do we hear there? Hmm, it's getting a little harder now. She wants the living water, right? Who has the bucket? The woman does, right? We have a, the irony of a thirsty Messiah with a resourceful woman with a bucket. And he's talking to her about living water and she wants the living water. I don't think she fully understands what it means yet. She, she might be thinking, I don't want to walk out to this well every single day. It would be great if I didn't have to do that. What? Give me this water so that I'm never thirsty again. But it's interesting, in the chapter before this, in the Gospel of John, Jesus has a conversation with a man named Nicodemus, who is a, is a Pharisee. He's a teacher of, of Jewish tradition. And in that conversation, there's some real theological, deep faith conversation. And yet, as he talks with Jesus, he kind of fizzles out a little bit in the conversation and kind of just says, okay, well, Jesus, let's, I, I think I have an idea what you're saying. Let's just move on. And the conversation kind of ends here with this Samaritan woman who Jesus doesn't really have a whole lot really to say. We would think, instead, they're about to enter into this really deep faith conversation that she begins, and here it goes. She said, uh, Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus responds, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. I'm going to pause there for a second. There's a chunk in that passage, and we tend to make some assumptions perhaps about the woman here, right? We hear she has had five husbands and she's, she's with another gentleman now. We don't, we don't know the story. We make some, some assumptions ourselves possibly, but in, in Jewish tradition, granted she's not Jewish, but maybe uh, in Jewish tradition, if you, if you married a brother and they die, you're supposed to marry the next brother. And if they die, you're supposed to marry the next one. And maybe she's married five brothers and the sixth one didn't want to marry her. We don't know. I don't know the tradition in Samaria. We don't know the situation. And so it's it's unfair of us to make specific accusations there. But the important part for us to catch is the end of it. She says to Jesus, sir, I see that you are a prophet. That's her response. Because Jesus just told her something about herself. And she's thinking, how do you know that? How do you know that about me? And so her conclusion is, you must be a prophet. Someone who, who knows things that... that I don't know how you know them, but you do, or have not foreseen, all right, you, that you foresee that others can't foresee. That's her conclusion. Here comes the big faith conversation. She, she says to Jesus, Our ancestors worship on, the, on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit. It's Jesus saying that, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit, truth. So I'm going to pause there again. So here's this woman saying, we we think we're supposed to worship on the mountain, you're supposed to be on the temple. What's right? And Jesus, the Jew, doesn't defend the idea of you have to be at the temple in Jerusalem. No, Jesus says there's going to be a time, in fact it's already here, where it doesn't matter worshiping on the mountain or worshiping in the temple. Where you'll realize that God is spirit. And wherever you go, your sanctuary is with you, and God is with you. It's a radical idea in Jesus' time. And here's Jesus saying to her, God is spirit. At her response, the woman says to him, I know the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he'll proclaim all things to us. And Jesus says to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. This is the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus proclaims to anyone that he is the Messiah. And he chooses the Samaritan woman in the well in the middle of nowhere to reveal that to you. That's really important for us to understand and see. Because just then, Jesus' disciples came back. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to the people, the people in the city, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city, and they were on their way to meet him. So here's this woman, the Samaritan woman, who Jesus tells her something about herself. How does he know this? And if we look back at the beginning of the Gospel of John, when Jesus first calls his disciples, it's the same thing. Jesus tells these, these men something about themselves and they question how does he know this and yet it it pushes them towards this man this curious unusual man that seems to know their hearts In the same way this woman is inspired as a disciple to go and to tell people about this man that you need to come and see she goes into the city and they come with her to see this she is a disciple She is going out into the world to bring people to the goodness and love of Christ. Now, I'm going to skip over a little chunk here, and we're going to skip down to verse 39 when the Samaritans come back. So in verse 39, it says, Many Samaritans from the city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. We know that this is truly the Savior of the world. I'm going to back up to where, to verse 31. All right? So. The disciples had come, the woman left, and I forgot to mention, she had left her water jar, probably her only water jar, because she felt so called to go and tell people about this Jesus. And while she's gone, this is the conversation that Jesus and and, uh, the disciples have. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat? Did that woman have some beef jerky that she left when she went back to the city? Jesus said to them, in a similar way he spoke to the woman earlier My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, four, more, four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is always is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So here's Jesus saying to his disciples, his closest circle, The ones he's been teaching and telling how to love, how to live in this world. And he's saying, stop thinking that it's way ahead of you. It's not four more months and then it's going to happen. Look around you. See the people (laughs) in this foreign land that they're probably thinking, we have no reason to even have a conversation with them. And here's Jesus saying, no, they need to know this love, this grace, and you need to be the ones to show it to them the same call that Christ placed in our hearts today. Who is it in your life that you might overlook every day and say, you know, they really, I need to be the loving example of Christ for them. That's our calling. To not be blinded by who we think should or shouldn't receive that grace and love, and to love boldly and openly as Christ has called us to. Amen. Thank you.
0: Companions of faith, rejoice, and may, the, may our Savior of love open our hearts and arms and doors so that we might be ready to show hospitality and welcome all just as he first welcomed us. Go in peace to love and serve and welcome in the name of our Lord. Amen. Amen.